0: Hi, everyone, welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist podcast. This is Saranya Kerry, and today I have with me Faith. Faith, we've been trying to record this podcast, and I don't know, things have been happening, but finally today we are able to record it, and I'm hoping that things will work out for the best. So, Faith,
1: welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm, I'm glad to be here.
0: Okay. Maybe an introduction to who is Faith and what does she do currently, mm-hmm. and maybe a background um, on your journey to where you are right now.
1: Okay, sure. Yeah, my name is Faith Mokobi Zablon. I I am from Kisi County, a place called Magena. I am a PhD student in North Carolina and State University in a college called joined School of Nanoscience and Nano Engineering. So I have a background in Microbiology and Immunology, that is for my Master's and a B.Sc. in Microbiology. From India, I studied in Madurai Kamaraji University and I finished my both of my degrees in 2012 within a span of five and a half years. And I came back home with the, with the possibility of getting a job and well, being in Kenya in a biomedical field is challenging, especially when you have a degree from outside. Majorly, India, there's something about having a degree from India. They have this assumption that you're not qualified enough. That is why you had to go outside, especially to India, to pursue your studies there. However, so after I completed my degree, I came back home. And I tried to get opportunities. I was very much interested in research because I had done my dissertation in um, metagenomic. I was trying to edit the genome of the gut microbiota of a mi- mosquito that transmits dengue and chikungunya uh, viruses. And we were trying to edit it so that you can manipulate the microbiota instead of transmitting the parasite. They can be able to uh, inject into the host of uh, the drugs that can be able to prevent or hinder the um, transmission of malaria. So when I came back home, I tried to pursue opportunities in research. First place I actually went to was in, and when I got there, obviously you submit your your CV and your papers and you sell yourself these are my experiences and this is what I can be able to do can you kindly offer me an opportunity because what I was looking for was an internship and I remember then the director telling me what you have a degree from India and you have a master's madam just go and become a lecturer in the university so it was really discouraging, especially for, yeah, I just finished school and I'm here looking for an opportunity and that is the best it could actually offer me. So it was oh. a bit discouraging and um, yeah, I went, I, I came to Nairobi, to Cambry, now the um, CRM. I was seeking for the same, and I tried to draft a proposal. I wanted to shift my attention to antimicrobial resistance, and I wanted to study TB. And I remember submitting my proposal to a certain professor (names not mentioned, obviously). So, and he was like, "This is good. Uh, I will see what I can be able to do. I'll call you and follow." follow exactly where you can be well situated so I was pretty hopeful but unfortunately the phone call never came back I sent a series of emails that were never responded to and you know that was it I went to Hillary still with the same proposal the TB branch with the same proposal trying to get an internship what I was actually looking for this an internship to gain the skills But the same happened, I submitted my proposal to a lady, she was a director, and she also never got back to me. So you can imagine, within the first two years of my finishing college and coming back home were really hard. So in that moment, I was working for Kiss University, I was a part-time lecturer in Kiss University, so I continued to teach with the hope that I could be able to get a research opportunity, but that never came. Then I started looking for fellowships and scholarships outside the country. So I kept applying and applying, and luckily in twenty fifteen, I got a fellowship, crv uh, CR, Raman, yes, CV Raman fellowship to India, and. Uh, Unfortunately, also personal issues got into it and I never got to pursue the opportunity because I was expectant. Actually, this is something that we have to debate when a woman is, you know, having children and you want to pursue your career, where do we lie? Like, What position is there for us? Because you have, some of us want to have families, but we still want to pursue our careers. So I never got to do the fellowship because I was expectant and they told me they could take me because I was expectant. So that is how wow. I lost the It fellowship. was not your choice. It was not my choice. But the, the, the fellowship had outlined uh, laws and uh, conditions that you cannot, you cannot go when you are expectant. I really tried to follow up for like six months to see if there was any possibility, but the embassy declined. So. That was the closest I got to getting an opportunity, but I never quit, I continued to apply for other, you know, opportunities, rejection after rejection. And yeah, so I I applied, I started applying to American institutions every year. I could try to apply to at least three universities in the United States. And I could get admissions, but I was not getting funding, I could get uh, I could get an admission, but I never got the opportunity of getting funding, so I couldn't come because it's pretty expensive to actually, you know, study here for a PhD that without funding. So I still continue to lecture. I was in Kiss University. I was in, I was in Kenyatta University. I was in Jaramogi Oginga Odinga University. I was in Mount Kenya University. You know, part timing everywhere but part-timing also comes with a lot of problems you never get paid or if you don't get paid they take too long to pay you so i remember the only institution that could pay us on time was mku but it was still so little. you have a family support your family was expecting something from you so That was my journey up to now. I was still teaching and up to this opportunity that I was able to get. So that was basically my journey being in Kenya. I was a lecturer who was seriously seeking for opportunities that never came by. For nine good years, for nine years, wow. Yeah, that's after finishing
0: your masters.
1: That is after finishing my masters. But the good thing is, I I was just the aggressive type. I I, in in the pursuit of my opportunities, I sought to mentor students, and I'm so glad that now as we are speaking, I have four students that I have actually been able to mentor, and they are doing. They got scholarships and. know they're already pursuing their careers while mine was stagnated at least i was able to mentor somebody who made something good out of his or her life yeah (laughs) yeah i know
0: (laughs) i think i knew a little bit about his story but i never like really listened to it they have listened to it now. Yeah. It's just it's just a lot. It's, I just It's just a lot going on, and this is just a summary. So, since you've already mentioned some laws, maybe you could start with the laws that um, you experienced maybe in depth.
1: Well, among the laws that I've actually experienced too, the lack of opportunities. You're qualified, but most of the time it's like, it's either somebody gets intimidated by your qualification or people don't just look deep enough to see what you're able to offer. Because I remember I had opportunities of getting interviews for research assistant positions in various of those research centers in Kenya. And I remember one particular interview I actually heard during the COVID, just early as the COVID pandemic was starting. And this was a, an interview from some professors in, uh, and I remember being so open about what I was doing. And at that moment, because we, I had just moved to Nairobi, and I was trying to do um, some blogging. Yeah, sorry.
0: I think there's a. Oh, I think you're moving. I oh. what is making this. There's a certain noise.
1: Okay, let me not move.
0: Ah, it, it's okay. If uh, if it's the noise that comes from the moving, it's fine. I'll I'll try and edit that out. It's okay. Don't don't think about it. Okay. Continue.
1: Yeah, sure. I hope I'm not saying
0: too much. Huh? No, there's no, hey, there's no saying too much. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's it's that too much that uh, that you're saying it's too much in quotes. Mm-hmm. That is the most important because um, we we used to talking things in brief mm-hmm. and we don't really explain what was really going on
1: mm-hmm.
0: at that time. Yeah. Well, so I, I, this I, I, is I
1: Don't, don't, don't you're being vulnerable.
0: vulnerable exactly exactly so don't feel that uh oh i am talking too much or i'm saying too much no <laughs> okay just just go and and say as much as you can please i have i have all the time <laughs> i don't know maybe it's maybe now you'll be the one who would maybe have time all
1: oh, right it's okay i have time yeah okay, so
0: yeah.
1: um I'm talking about this particular experience I had, I had, of course, when you're looking for opportunities, you get a chance of going for interview, after interview, after interview. The problem normally comes when they never call back or you follow up and nobody ever responds or even to tell you that you're not qualified or you're not the right person that we're looking for. So I remember this instance where I was looking for a research assistant position and I thought I was pretty qualified because I was looking for somebody who has worked on a little bit on malaria and dengue fever and chikungunya fever and mosquitoes generally entomology. So I remember the, the professors looking at my CV and in that at that time I was doing some blogging. I was writing a lot of academic literature online and that was what I was doing because I had just moved to Nairobi and to look for better opportunities. And I remember this uh, professor telling me that you know, your CV tells me that you're all over, like, you don't seem to have something specific that you're doing. And I told him, I don't know if you and I are in the same country, but this is Kenya. Some of us have not had the luck of getting the right opportunity. So we have to try everything. We see where we can be able to fit in and that is what i am doing and i am an academician who would like to get into research so any opportunity that i can be able to get to earn some knowledge and to earn some skills i will take it so i am doing writing right now but i'm pursuing an opportunity in research and that is what i'm hoping you guys can be able to offer me i might have Lagged behind because I've not had a practical experience for quite some time, but I know my capabilities. But he was so critical and criticized every part of my CV, and I was like, I just said it is okay. And I remember him asking me, Madam, did you take four years off because you became a mother? I told him I didn't take four years off because in those four years, I have been teaching in various institutions in Kenya from town to time, from town to town, so that I can be able to provide for my children. And I think you guys are in the position of realizing somebody's capabilities because I have some research experience which I want to put out there to make some impact in science. But he was so critical and... I knew immediately after the interview they'll never call me back so I never even got to follow up like exactly what they were going to do and ironically a year later I got another opportunity with the same guys and they were looking for somebody to work on Valeria. and I had a similar interview and now in this particular panel the only guys I really try to explain my feminist aspects of why it has been so hard for me to get into research as a woman and as a mother, and because they were all men, they just thought that I chose being a woman and a mother over my career, which I think was was wrong. Up to this moment I think it was really a wrong aspect of looking at a woman who is trying to pursue a career in research because somehow you need to take a break, you need to take care of your children and you're trying to balance your academic life, you're trying to uh, balance your career and you're trying to balance your personal life. And I thought I had it all together until these people questioned why I was all over the place. But I thank God because in that moment immediately after the interview, that is when I got my admission to the United States. And I got an admission plus funding. It was the greatest miracle of my life because I had tried to get into a university called Penn State University. So Penn State University offered me an admission but they were not able to offer me funding because of the COVID pandemic, so they didn't have much. But this institution I am in right now, they were looking for PhD students in biomedical sciences who wanted to look into applying the biomedical sciences in engineering. So this was luck those guys rejected me but they rejected me for a good reason they rejected me and i am here right now yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so the laws have been there the joblessness has been there not having people to believe in you enough to trust you enough. That let us give her the opportunity she could make a difference let us you know, give her the platform, let her use the skills that she already has so that she can be able to grow. What people don't realize is somebody's potential. So if the people could go out there and give somebody the opportunity to exploit their potential, there's so many people are so much capable, but nobody wants to believe in their small skills. So I thank God for the laws, there were so so many but I thank God for those little moments because they brought me here yeah. hey Faith I hey. <laughs> I feel
0: like I'm boiling and I don't bring emotions here I like my own emotions here because this is not my podcast but um <sighs> Yes <laughs> okay. okay Have you ever met a woman who asked you that question about your motherhood and its relation to your career?
1: Yes i I remember in 2020 I went to Carry and I was... Uh, I met this I was referred to a certain researcher and she works on she's an entomologist and she was applying for a firm she was writing some proposals um, on vaccines malaria vaccines and I went to meet her unfortunately I couldn't meet her but she was kind enough to call me actually we had a very lengthy That was the first man I've ever actually spoken to concerning my research and she, I explained to her what my journey has been, and she could relate so much. The only difference is, I think she she was more lucky when she was pursuing, when she was starting, and I think when she was starting, research opportunities were there, like, 20 years ago as compared to right now so they were among the pioneers in research in Kenya so she could relate so much because she's a mother and she has known how it is really hard to balance motherhood being a wife and her career and then she just challenged me that once you're out there you you sell yourself no matter how short you are just tell people this is my research experience. This is what I can be able to offer you. Can you kindly give me the platform to exploit what more I can be able to do with my my skills? So she, we talked in depth. She understood my situation. She couldn't offer me anything at the moment because she was also looking for funding. But she promised that if anything has to come up, she would contact me. So, in my journey, I probably actually met one woman who I have talked to about my struggle as a scientist trying to pursue everything in life, yeah, and she she is she's a great woman, she has a very good CV, like, I really like networking because I meet people on LinkedIn and those. that is how I connect with people and I just meet her on LinkedIn and I ask questions about her through people. and. She was very kind enough to actually reply to my email because a lot of people never reply to emails, especially from people they don't know. But she was really kind enough to email back, to schedule a Zoom meeting. And she had me and that was just awesome because she, she's great. So her listening to me was good enough and it gave me the motivation to just not go up.
0: Wow, I love that there was someone who you could talk to and she could understand where you're coming from though. She came from a different time, but she still understood understood that. Yeah. I, I wonder how many women are going through that. Okay, I had a I had a an idea mm-hmm. because myself, I, I wouldn't fully understand because um, I don't have kids yeah, um, at the moment, so I wouldn't really understand. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was in a space where um, there's this conference that was going on in South Africa with ABB, ABBC. Um, it's about, uh, it's a biennial Conference symposium uh-huh. uh, to do gene editing okay. and there was this small forum that women went to I was actually wearing this dress <laughs> when attending that same day conference and I was the one um, writing down the notes uh-huh. and it was a forum of women from different ages different races uh-huh. different countries who did their education in different places and the story was the same like like it's not like I could write much. at there are different stories that I'm writing. It's just yeah. one story. One story. Everybody's saying the same thing that it is. It is a bit hard, especially being a woman and having a family, and you know, especially coming from the Africa because it was an African based um, conference, mm-hmm. so they were mostly African women. Um, so women talking about how their them being a woman made them not have the same access to opportunities especially advancing in education as their male counterparts just because they are women not because of anything else like just women. because they are wearing just because of their physique mm-hmm. their ex because the only reason they're not getting opportunities as men is because they have two X chromosomes. That's the only reason they're having that (laughs) issue. It had nothing to do with how capable they were in... Like, no one really uh, assessed how capable they were in doing whatever they were doing. Mm -hmm. And it's a very senior... Some are very senior women. Some are... You know, uh, they were... They're doing well in their careers, but, you know, when you... And some are still... They're still they're still experiencing that and uh, one thing that came out of it that was very positive for me that I really loved is a woman from Senegal said that the I think Senegal even the Senegalese and another one from Nigeria Uh said that the things that made her be able to thrive Uh were like at least not the things that made her uh, face these challenges better Uh were having a supportive partner. Um, A a man who was enabling her and was understanding that this is what is going, you're you're facing and and I'm going to support you through this. And sometimes even if (coughs) they're able to do that, um, they, they also have their careers that is they're they having yeah. but yeah. The, the thing that they, they are able to sense that you know the fact that this is a woman mm. I have a woman who wants to pursue these things and she wants them I will make sure that she is having a simpler time doing that just because she's already experiencing other things so they used to do you find women mentioning that they they had support to in terms of taking care of kids yeah. like the men weren't like you know it's, it's a woman only thing right. there was that support in terms of taking care of kids and some were able to navigate that space easier just because of that uh-huh. and and someone, something else that I think one, one person said that just one person I think what, what I can remember said that she was able to move her family uh-huh. from wherever she was to the the country where she was getting that sponsorship. Uh-huh. And the sponsorship was able to the funding was able to cover her nanny uh-huh. wow. and her kids and the partner. That is wonderful. And that was the only good story that I got out of it. Uh-huh. And the rest were just talking about how hard it was to do that. But um, I'd never had someone say that there's a man or there are men who sat in a panel and imposed on that woman saying on her face that you know you is it because you're a woman that's why you're not succeeding because that's what they're generally asking in short
1: yeah like you chose family over your career you're trying to find a balance it's it's not easy and just like you said partners are very supportive but most of the time they will they also having their own challenges so when you find that you have a partner Mm -hmm. who can be able to support you and he find that if i can be able to move a notch higher to help us put food on the table he will do that, but he's not going, to, not going to stop supporting you in every aspiration that you have. He just knows that I need to try a little bit higher because back home, what I know, putting food on the table is what people are looking for, especially during this COVID pandemic. People are really struggling. So I know my husband had to be like, let me work hard so that we have the basics that we need. but yours is not going to be on hold because I can assure you during those nine years of my not having a successful career, I accumulated certificates. I used to do these online courses, free online courses from, you know, antimicrobial resistance to understanding TB to HIV pathogenesis. I did a lot of online certificate courses that were free, that were offering me a lot of knowledge and I remember my husband was like, if you need internet to do what you have to do I'll provide that for you if you need internet to start your own blog or to write you know, stuff online I'm going to do that for you you know, as long as something keeps going on for you as we are trying to get something better and I thank God because it paid off it really paid off because when I started writing online, I think people are like, "Oh, so she she can actually also do this, you know?" And I remember meeting a guy from Nepal, and he's been one of my greatest support system up to now because he told me, you know, "Why don't you write for me, not for microbiology and immunology online, and I pay you for it?" Yeah. And through the notes that I wrote actually the entire 2020 up to mid this year I got a very great audience people were like wow she can actually do this and these these are notes that can help students in the university not only in Kenya but globally because his websites are shared globally students in America access his websites students in you know, in Asia, in Russia, in Germany, people are reading these notes that I was writing for people. And it gave me a platform to actually be able to exploit my capabilities in literature review. Because I remember when COVID pandemic hit, he told me what, I want you to write something about COVID. So I was like, okay, let me try. And I remember actually on his website, if you look, my articles on COVID are the most searched. Like, it has a traffic of about 300,000 viewers. Yeah. So, I really thank this guy because when I thought I was hitting rock bottom, he showed me that I could still do something. And I have written notes over and over again until this happened. And I remember the other day we were talking and he we was like, Thank you so much, because I wrote about 215 notes, like notes for your website. Yeah. So, and even now, because my program is on techniques, I wrote a lot of notes on techniques, on microscopy, staining techniques, which I actually am using right now for my research. They come in very handy because they gave me a good foundation. They gave me the knowledge because I was taking my time looking for ref- references all over from publications to just websites that were writing about these notes. And I was bringing them all together to make coherent notes for people to be able to read. And they are very helpful to me. And I'm pretty sure they're helping many other students. I was saying, even professionals can equally use the same stuff for the references. Yeah, so that is one of my highest peaks of 2020 despite the pandemic.
0: Do you want to mention?
1: Oh yeah, his name is Sagar Ariel. He's a PhD scholar in Germany. He's working on antimicrobial resistance. And um he's using Mycoplasma to study antimicrobial resistance and he's trying to use gene editing CRISPR technique, uh, to to edit or knock out genes that cause gene resistance in Mycoplasma. And um he's one of those people who mentors who can mentor anybody because he gives you the the push and his life. You know there is nothing impossible for you so you have these capabilities nobody has seen them let me give you this opportunity and see what you can be able to do and he gave me that platform and he is one guy that I really appreciate and he made a friend in me that I'm pretty hopeful that even for my research program is one person I would like to do collaborations with for my research
0: you mentioned something about um... How you've created, you've looked for people to network with. Actually, we actually met online with you, right? Yeah. And we've never met in person.
1: We've never <laughs> met in person. Yeah. I think I'm the one who wrote to you. I, I yeah. saw what you, I think you, you are, I was interested in you because of what you were doing for your research in, was it like you I think I just looked through your. Your website or your your profile? I just looked through your profile and it was a blog. It was a blog. I think we connected because I was writing and you were also writing, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I I am. I, I call myself a social stalker. That is how I get I get to know people. I have a huge network and. My opportunity here was because I connected with somebody on LinkedIn actually. She's the one who was like this school, if you're interested in, apply to it and they could be having funding, I will inquire if they have funding so that you can apply. That is how I got here, just through somebody I met on LinkedIn. And all my professors, I met them on, on LinkedIn. And I was just confident well, enough to I Write them an email and be like, I'm interested in this program and these are my research interests. Could you kindly consider me for your program? And that is what I have done to a lot of professors in um, a lot of schools. So the good thing is some people are responsive. Some people do not respond. People take time to actually look at your CVC, your capability. Then they get to respond back. But not everybody does that. But we thank God for those who are able to do that because... That is the essence of networking. With networking, nobody, not everybody is going to pull you up, but is somebody is going to look beyond and be like, wow, I think I like this about her. She has so much, but I can pick this about her, and I can be able to support her on things. So networking is very essential. It's something that I always tell people. Never be shy enough to tell somebody what your capabilities are. Just be confident we are not perfect, especially in science. There's so much in science, and you cannot know everything. But that knowledge that you have about something can take you places. Yeah.
0: How did you deal with rejections?
1: Uh, Rejections? uh, uh, I have... I think I got to a point where I became immune. Initially, it was really tough. And just like I had mentioned earlier that getting a degree from India, this assumption people have that you went to India because you didn't perform well. But I performed very, very well in my case, you see. So I remember...
0: Do you want to talk about that first? Uh, Why did you choose to go to India? And, yeah... Oh yeah. Why well, do a masters <laughs> in India?
1: <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, I when I finished my KCC, I was called to go and study education, physics and mathematics. And um, so the reason I I actually went to India was because my dad wanted me to be a doctor, and I went there to pursue pharmacy, but it was too expensive. So I decided to do microbiology, which was a personal choice, because I understood that with microbiology and that I could understand, I could study HIV because HIV was the disease that was so bad during our time. So I was like, if I study microbiology, then you know I can be able to understand HIV and I can be able to. What I was actually what I've always been passionate about is just having a test that can be able to diagnose some of these diseases early in the early stages so if we could have a diagnostic tool that could you know detect the virus the viral load in the early stages then it would be easy for us to mitigate the treatment uh, possibilities for this patient so that is what i i just said if i could not be able to afford to do pharmacy then i could do microbiology and my dad consulted and he was told that india could be a good place to pursue some of these courses and that is I actually ended up going to India and you know pursuing my BSC there for microbiology. And um, I decided to continue with my master's because I performed really well for my BSC and I was looking for a program that could offer me some form of funding um, and a very good university. So I ended up going to uh, studying in an American institution for immunology and medical microbiology. And for that, I remember for my dissertation, I was offered full funding for my dissertation project. Like I didn't pay anything for my project, for my master's project. And I didn't know that there was some, you know, the people looked down upon the degrees from India until I came back home. But. that was after. But my experience in India, my academic life in India was really good because they were, they had the equipment, they had the laboratories. So that is how I actually ended up going to India. My dad wanted something, a, a, a good opportunity for me, a very good platform for me to be able to do anything in medical studies. Is there...
0: Um, a, a- how is it for, How was it for you? You know, um, you've, you've done this thing, you've excelled, you like it, and you know, I'm coming to Kenya and I'm going to get a job. And actually with a master's degree, you know, we have a perception that it's actually easier. Yeah. And also coming from outside, it's actually easier to, you know, come into um, the job space and get a space. How how was it for you for that Period. The first, especially the before you got immune, that first period. How was it for you, um, realizing that you can't get a job?
1: Oh, it was the most traumatizing. I was stressed for a very long time because I was like, "What was the need of then pursuing this courses for almost six years and you cannot do anything?" So it was, it was a long moment. But I think I took solace in. Being able to teach because immediately I landed in Kenya. The first thing I did is get a teaching opportunity at Kisi University. So that was taking my time because it was I was making notes for my students and you know dispensing knowledge. is something that I actually do appreciate so much. Being able to dispense knowledge to somebody else and that was consoling, but I had my parents, they were a very strong support system, and you know, everybody kept encouraging me that, you know, your time is going to come, your time will come, and it wasn't as stressful as I thought, because I have seen a lot of people who get to really struggle so much after coming from India especially, and a lot of that we come with from Kenya are too specialized you know immunology very specialized we still don't have that in Kenya so uh, I just took solace in my teaching and I could ensure that every semester I had a minimum of four classes I was teaching so that I had a lot of time occupied to do what I had to do and the good thing is uh, my parents were supporting me the like so fair you know because I needed to move to go to those classes so there was such a strong support system and I'm a who things more the positive I don't concentrate on the negative because I'm like you know tomorrow is always going to be a better day let's concentrate on today and the fact that I love students like I don't know what I have but I love just standing in front of young people being able to mentor them and tell them, you know, there's so much that you can be able to do. So I took so less in being able to dispense knowledge and being able to have people looking up to me. And they're like, oh, she's so young. And, you know, because I think I, I started teaching when I was in two, uh, 23. Yeah. So she's so young and she can be able to do this. And Wait. Yeah. What?
0: At what age did you go to university if you were teaching at 23? Well, and I, guess,
1: already done well, I I was 19, ah. so I came back, I was at 23, 24, I got, I immediately I got here I was 24 and I started teaching at Kissing University in September 2012. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, is there another law?
1: Oh, I think there are so many lows, I wouldn't want to, I cannot exhaust them, but those are my lowest moments, which I can actually say. Those are my lowest moments. Inability to get a job. My loss of the fellowship to India was like the lowest. I think that one threw me to a corner. I was like, this cannot be, you know, this was the closest I had come to. Getting something happen for me. And the rest is history, but just like I said, I concentrate more on the good and, you know, move forward from there.
0: So, for example, for that, um, that India opportunity, how
1: did you. With they, they in the India opportunity. Was- uh, I had my family. My my parents were disappointed. I was disappointed in myself, but no, I I was having a blessing of a child. So that is something I couldn't trade for anything.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the highs, if the lows. You have said that there's so many, it's hard to exhaust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the
1: highs I have had very high points in my life and of course finishing my masters was the highest because I made my parents proud that was one of the best things I've ever done because my dad expected so much and I attained that so I, I made them proud and he was like my child's husband. Yeah. And another thing is just the ability to be able to to teach. I love teaching and I have taught so many students over the years. Young, old because you teach programs where you have Kids who just finished high school then you teach students who are upgrading from their diploma to do their BAC and I have been able to mentor so many people in this journey and I feel so lucky because not everybody does that and the fact that I am passionate about this talking to other students and you know being able to share with them my journey and an academic journey is, has been one of the best experiences I've had over the years. And then uh, the third high, so sad that I can count my highs. <laughs> uh, I cannot.
0: Uh, and you cannot count the lows. <laughs> the level, I know. Actually, I know. it's a good thing. Uh, I, for me, I think I, to, I take lows as a positive thing. Yeah. Mostly because it's, it's those lows that build us more than the highs as exactly. Exactly. people, so there's nothing like wrong with having lows, mm-hmm. where they're very, actually people who go through lows are, have better experiences in life and they've grown more compared to someone who's not experienced lows as much. Yeah i can even give an example where uh, my, my supervisor actually told me, I think she saw that I, I was getting frustrated with not getting results, and she told me that uh, there's this perception that when a student comes in and she's getting results, now she's a very good student. Uh-huh. But that student hasn't learned a lot yeah. from that research. Mm-hmm. But someone who's done a lot of troubleshooting, even if they never get results, they've learned so much. They've tried everything and they've learned so much that they become better scientists compared to someone who doesn't know what troubleshooting looks like. Yeah. So, just the point is, the laws are okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, 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 beautiful. it's beautiful to have laws. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so my had high was, you know, just meeting this guy online, Saga, and we had a conversation and I told him, well, I don't have anything I'm doing currently and I'm looking for, even if I write for you for free, I wouldn't mind. And he was like, no, you can write for me and I can be able to to pay you something. And I tried the first time and I was like, this is excellent, because I remember I was writing an article on antimicrobial resistance he told me this is really good can you try and write some more so I tried and the more I tried the more I wrote better and you know when you're getting paid for something it's always good and I was writing and I was getting paid for it that was really good for me for a long time for a very long time I appreciated what I was doing and then my highest like my peak of you know peaks was this opportunity coming to the United States. So I remember one evening I think because I normally do applications every year and I had done applications to three universities last year. So every year I try to apply to at least three universities in the United States. So I remember we were I was about to sleep and I check my email and I'm like, congratulations, you have been offered an, an admission to the Joint School of Nanoscience and Nigeria. Nano like, I screamed, and I think it was at 12 at night, and I screamed, and my husband was like, what? Why are you screaming? And I'm like, <laughs> I got it. Like, I got it. And, you know, because it was being offered from a college, not from a university, I had done my, my research and my, you know, I knew how funding was hard, but that was the best day of my life. I was like, I got it, you know? And this school gets really good funding, and I was kind of sure that either way I was going to get funded, you know? Mm-hmm. That was the highest point of my life, really. Like, I called my mom at one o'clock at night, and my my parents were so happy because I have gotten admissions over time, but the fact that I was not able to get funding was really hard. And I remember that night, I wrote to the same professor who emailed me, and I he uh, I, uh, he, he had actually said that congratulations, you have been you have been given an admission to this school. We would like to interview you for funding that was at the end of the email so the fact that they were actually considering me for funding unlike the other institutions where you get admission and they don't mention funding this one was mentioning that they want to interview me for funding and i'm like wow like okay you don't know what you're going to expect but you're hopeful that you will get it and I remember my mama has always told me this story that, you know, you have waited for nine years. But remember, you know, Moses had to cross the desert for 40 years with the Israelites. So nine years is so little. And it is so little for it's It's a lot of years for us, but in God's eyes, it's so little. And you don't know what journey he is building for you. And kind of we all knew this was the time for me because everybody in my family is stable except me and i'm the first one so i just like everybody just knew like this was the time for faith you know so i emailed back the professor and i said i was actually going to do the interview the next day <laughs> Ah,
0: Wow you didn't even think about preparing. I didn't even think about
1: preparing. (laughs) (laughs) The excitement. It was the excitement but I was pretty confident that um, because I was like what exactly are are, are they going to ask because they've already looked at my CV, they've already looked at my experiences and here they are willing to fund me. So what is the worst that could actually happen? So it's a matter of, well, these are my experiences. I haven't done research for a long time, but I have experiences in these and these. And I'm requesting for funding that I think I'm qualified and the research interests that I have are aligned to what you're doing. And I think towards the end of getting this program, I was pretty much interested in, in doing cancer research because I was engaging in a volunteership, um, uh, kind of, you know, t- a temporal volunteership opportunity with the Integrated Cancer Research Foundation of Kenya, where I met scholars from Oxford University, and they were doing really good work in cancer and they were trying to do a sensitization program in Kenya. So towards getting this admission, I kind of knew what I wanted to work on. So I was pretty confident even if they ask me why they're offering me for this funding and what they're offering the funding for, I knew what I wanted to work on. So I was like, let's do the interview tomorrow. And yeah, and he responded back and he gave me the time and he sent me the Zoom link and that was it. So. I think I, I slept in the morning. I was reading and, you know, trying. my husband was trying to tell me what kind of questions to expect, going online, what kind of funny questions I normally asked, and I prepared, and I was really ready for that interview. <laughs> yeah, so that was the highest point of my life. Wow. Well, yeah. How was it for you
0: to to see other people progressing and you feel like you're not, especially maybe your siblings or people you mentor or your people you were in school with or, you know, people around you. Did you feel that there are people who are moving faster than you and you're lagging behind?
1: Yeah, I think in this journey, especially having such a kind of a journey like me, you will always have those moments when you see everybody else's life is moving, you're always stagnated. And you will always, you may not say it verbally, but the inner part of you will always question yourself. What am I doing wrong? what exactly should I be doing so that I can actually be like so-and-so, so so that my career can also move to the next point. And I did question myself a lot, but just like I mentioned, my support system has actually always been drawn from my family. My parents, my siblings, are my biggest supporters, like they have always championed for me Despite the many hiccups I faced over time. And the many days that I could cry, my siblings were just a phone call away. And I would always call and I'll be like, you know. And I, the good thing is, I let myself be vulnerable. And I let myself be vulnerable to the right people. Because with my siblings, they knew what I was going through. And when I wanted to cry, I could cry. And I'm like, why is it like this? And they would always encourage me. There is no encouragement that can be good enough for somebody who's fighting a losing battle. But the fact that somebody is like, "Hey, your time is going to come, just hang in there. So the good thing is we never lacked food. We never lacked a place to sleep. Because my family was there for me. I can't say I had many friends, because in a journey like mine, well, you lose a lot of friends. And when you don't have, you also don't have friends. So yeah, so I could count the number of friends, but my greatest support system was my family. And they never let me feel low. And those low moments, they'd be the ones to come and visit, they could have my kids and play with my kids and bring them presents. and. I just never lacked because of my family, truly. Wow, I'm so happy that you had
0: a very strong support system. Yeah. And I love that they said that um, being vulnerable to the right people.
1: Yeah. Because, why did you say that? Why did you say that, right people? Oh, I think because, I have seen hypocrisy firsthand. People who you think are there for you, but they turn their backs on you, especially when you lose. And I, when you get to realize that not everybody wants the best for you, then you realize that genuinely, this is the one who is at my corner, and this one is not in my corner. Then you know who can I share my story with, and. My family has been the right audience for my story because with them, I have trust. They are honest, they know I'm honest with my feelings and they will always be honest with how they think of me because people, you can tell them stories, but nobody is always willing to listen to your story for good. Some people just want to listen to your story so that they can go and share it with somebody else to criticize you and to criticize your journey. So sharing the, my story with the right audience, these are people who know me deep down, like this is what she's going through and this is how we can be able to help her. Not everybody can know your story. And um, I just love the fact that my story has always been within my inner circle of people and my inner circle of people are my family. Is there another high? Of course! Now I think since then I have had so many highs. So I, I just, um, before I got here, I got to talk to a number of professors in this school. And in as much as at one point somebody in Kenya sat in a panel and criticized my CV and me being a woman and choosing family over my career, I got to realize that in a country like this these are people who appreciate people who are all around it. I remember before I got here I got to talk to my professors who are now teaching me. I got to share my interest in research and they listen to me. And I remember one of my professors, his name is Doctor Reza. And I went to his office and I was like, you know, when I look around, my classmates are pretty older than me, they have a lot of research experiences because they come from very good institutions to pursue their PhD here. And I remember performing not so well in one of the cuts and I went to his office and I was like, am I really in the right program? And he told me, faith. From the first day I talked to you, we've not had an African student who just knows what she wants to do. And what I can actually be able to tell you is, from the classes that I've been able to teach you so far, you are a rising star. And I was like, no, no, somebody cannot be saying something about, you know, about me like that, because I was like, what do you mean I'm a rising star? like. I want to see you four, five years from now being in my position of being better than where I am seated right now. And the good thing about this program is our professors really support us. They expect so much from us, but somehow they understand where you're coming from. And the fact that they know where you're coming from, you didn't have enough skills, but you have the drive to want to know more. You have the potential of wanting to know more. And the fact that they see you as a self-driven individual who knows what she is coming to do is really good. And this is the greatest support system I have ever seen in my academic life, even from where I come from, from my previous studies. This has been the greatest support system I have had. It is only one semester, but I have My professor, my 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 advisor, his name is Dr. Sham. He told me, now you should be doing your training. So whatever you want to pursue right now, do it. You need reagents, tell me. You need cell lines, tell me. We will purchase that for you, as long as it enables you to go to the next phase. So I have, I had this semester that we just finished. I have the next semester. To be able to do so much under the supervision of very knowledgeable people who believe that I can be able to do the best out of what they know I can be able to do. And it gives me so much hope. It gives me so much hope that I actually have the potential to do so much in this society and especially in science. Yeah. So this is like the best. I'm, I'm living the best life. <laughs> in my career right now. And if, if you
0: think about that, um, coming from, you know, <laughs> meeting toxic people, because those people that you are meeting were very toxic and transition to a very refreshing environment where people are very supportive. And when especially when you're doubting yourself and they're yeah. there to tell you, no, you can do it. Yeah. Uh, that's very refreshing. And you've mentioned something about... Uh, uh, an um, African student who knows what they want. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, Um. like a lot of African students are very bright. We have very bright students. But we don't have uh, people who are able to give you the chance to actually pursue what you want. Because you you, you are lucky you are able to do your research right now in Ildri. I listened to Milka's story and, yeah, she's had her laws, but she had moments where she was able to do some research in Kenya. But I have a bunch of students who are always asking me, Madam, have you had anything? You know, could you kindly give me a referral to do something? You know, I have trust these students and I know their potential so our our institutions lack facilities our institution institutions lack equipment to be able to teach these students the soft skills but they have the brains because you give somebody an assignment and they are able to do it so that means they have the capability so like right now as you're speaking i have this student who just applied for scholarship and when he talks, I feel intimidated because he knows what he wants to pursue. And I'm like, you just finished your undergraduate degree. So that is one among thousands of students who are pursuing opportunities. And I think the other day we had a seminar for integrated cancer research. And if you could hear the questions these students are asking, they know what they want to do. But are there opportunities for them to be able to do what they want? You know. And our Kenyan institutions, kind of people, don't want to move from the positions they're already in, and they are recruiting people they know from a network of, you know, who do you know? What what is your connection to these kind of people? But not everybody has that connection, and a lot of people who have who don't have those connections are people who have the brains, and they're people very passionate about science and these are kids looking for opportunities and you you feel so obligated to help somebody because you know your journey and one thing i appreciate about the people who who have made me doubt myself over the years i don't concentrate on them i concentrate on what can i be able to offer yeah i had this you know you say this about me but I know my capabilities. You know what your potential is. And if you get somebody who trusts you enough to be like, this is what you can be able to do. Can I add something else on top of this and see what capabilities you have? That is what we are looking for. And that is what a lot of students in Kenya are looking for. And it is so discouraging that we do not have the platforms. We do not have people you know who can believe in us in as much as the science institutions are there they cannot recruit all the students who just graduated yeah but it is just being able to have the potential and going out of your way and apply and apply and just continue to pursue what you can be able to do people here there are lots of African students. I'm the only Kenyan in my college pursuing this program. I'm the first Kenyan pursuing this program. But if you see the students who are here from Africa, so many, actually my program, almost 50%, if not 60, are African students who are very, very bright. So this country is looking for the students know what they want to do people are passionate about research sometimes you might come with the motivation of doing what you want to do but you get with a professor who already has a research going on so you would want you to do his research but it still gives you the platform to be able to gain the skills and you never know it is the kind of relationship that you will have with your professor so that you see how you can integrate your idea into whatever research he or she is doing. Because even me, what I'm doing right now, what I want to pursue, I'm just trying to integrate my ideas with what my professor is doing. So the fact that I was able to get here despite the lack of experience over the years, the soft skill experiences, anybody can do it. Anybody can actually do it.
0: soft skills Uh, do you want to mention a few that you you you're trying to talk about
1: yeah like just we may not have the equipment back home to do PCR to do immunohistochemistry staining or just the techniques that are already there so one thing I would like to just say is once you want to get into your PhD program know what techniques are there You might not have the hands-on experience, but just know what protocols are there. If you're working on proteins, what am I supposed to know? Flow uh, flow cytometry, mass spectrometry, like all the spectrometry techniques that you've got to know. PCR, how do you do DNA sequencing? How do you uh, do reverse complementary from RNA to cDNA? how do you convert micro RNA into a cDNA like those kind of protocols are things that we should have on our fingertips so that when you are drafting your whatever proposal your dissertation uh, kind of projects you know what techniques that you're going to use and the most interesting part is Despite that there is a kind of, you know, there is a protocol specifically for mass spectrometry, you can manipulate that technique to suit your own kind of project. So what I actually advise students is just know your techniques because the challenge I'm having right now is that I didn't equip myself with the knowledge of knowing what techniques are there to use so what I'm struggling right now to know is to gain the knowledge of what techniques are there. That I can be able to apply in my research. So, as you are struggling to create knowledge about what you want to work on, if you want to work on cancer, what aspects of cancer do you want to work on, as you are trying to understand the hallmarks of cancer, also take time to know. In as much as they are studying resistance of uh, resistance of cell death in cancer cells what techniques can i be able to use to understand this particular resistance of cell death if you're trying to understand antimicrobial resistance what techniques are you going to use yeah like now we have gene editing becoming a very common technique that is being used in you know editing out or knocking out genes that cause uh, disastrous uh, effects on the body how can I be able to do CRISPR technique how can I what is the procedure for doing this particular you know uh, protocol so like I would advise people to equip themselves weigh the techniques and let us be like Kenya getting research papers is hard but those that you can be able to get like research what are reviews oh, sorry not reviews but research uh, what techniques are they using in those research papers so that is what i'm learning right now that i know i should have been equipping myself with over the years so know your techniques be be conversant of what exactly is going on out there
0: i'm waiting for another hive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean they are the highs. they they could be personal but this is more of a, you know it's a podcast majorly for academic academic reasons right <laughs> I
0: have no comment <laughs> I have no comment about that yeah. Um, huh. There's a lot
1: that you've said. I have said a lot I don't if I'm a podcast, I don't know come as a saying a podcast conversation. I don't know how you're going to edit it. It's a lengthy one.
0: No, <laughs> I'm not going to edit it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's the authenticity, the realness. I, I don't like arranged stuff. I don't mm. like feeling like something is scripted. I want to have a conversation with someone, and I want them to, you know, to be real the way they were, not to, to edit edited out. Anyway, um, so is there anything that you'd like to mention um, concerning careers, um, and maybe chipping uh, that feeling that you get when someone is asking for an opportunity, yet you can see they're so capable and. Like you are there, maybe. How how do you deal with that? Especially when people ask you if is, do you have an opportunity, and do you know where I can get an opportunity? Does it get to you? Because for me, it gets to me.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it becomes personal. Does it get to you, and how do you deal with that? Because I, now you're not in a position to give that opportunity yourself. Yeah. Yo.
1: Yeah, and uh, one thing I've really gotten to. To learn is that in this life you can always be asking people have you heard of an opportunity here have you heard of an opportunity there can you kindly connect me to somebody it didn't work for me I just had to go out of my way and look for it and it has been the best lesson ever that because this you will never owe anybody a reason as to why you're here And like when somebody gets an opportunity, you feel like you owe them for the rest of your life. As long as you have that job, as long as you get that scholarship, you will always owe it to somebody. So, my journey has been a me journey. It is me who searched for this. I got here because this this was my drive. People have been asking me. I think there's something that happens when you get an opportunity, then you post it on your profile and somebody knows, wow, so she got it. So that means she has a network. It is not always somebody connecting you to something. It is a you effort. It is a you effort. You go out of your way. Now, these opportunities, scholarships are there online. There are a lot of websites offering scholarship opportunities like right now there's so many scholarships that are going on so different countries have different uh, kind of way they advertise their scholarships but when it comes to PhD it is more a funding opportunity that you're looking for and uh, uh, the scholarships are there but what you're looking for is more funding it is more it's it's it tests you to be able to perform better because when you get a scholarship that is for four years and you're like, I have the money so I can be able to do what I want. But for funding, it challenges you because every semester, they want to see, are you getting the grades? You know, are you worth the money that you offer? We are offering you. Yeah. So it gives you the motivation to really work hard. And like for my program, they just need a 3.0 GPA. But i came here with a 3.7 gpa so i need to keep up with that yeah so scholarships are there fellowships are there but sometimes you just have to ask the tough questions do you have funding you can be able to offer me That is the toughest question and if somebody here can be able to answer that yes we have funding then you're lucky because i remember i have had to ask that question so many times and the answer has always been no but this time it was a yes so ask if they have funding if they don't have funding look for scholarships that you can be able to apply to and people do ask like, how did you get there? Just like I have said, it is a U effort. America doesn't have shortcuts, the UK doesn't have shortcuts, Canada doesn't have shortcuts. Let me just say, academic life outside Kenya does not have shortcuts. You just need to apply, get your GRE, get a good GRE score, and you know, have a good GPA for your BSc and your Masters. That is what they want, and be expressive of yourself in your writing, your personal statement. Curate your statement in such a way that um, you talk about yourself, what your research expectations are, and why you really think you fit into this program that you're looking for. So it is a U effort get to the internet your internet should just be your best friend create a network see somebody like me if you approach me and you tell me i have done this program and i'm interested in material science to study these and these and these then that I can advise you, like I can say, okay, you know, I know this program that is here in this institution where I'm studying, and I can give you referrals. That is if I know what kind of referrals I can give you. And in my position right now, I haven't done so much and I do I I want to be able to be I want to be a door to so many people i want to be able to open a door because i know how hard it was and i know so many people are going through the same like i have gone through if i can be able to open a door for so many people and just not close that door especially for women that is what i'm looking for so if i know a woman who has the capability i will not hesitate to help you write your personal statement. I will not hesitate to tell you, do your GRE. Like, I cannot hesitate to, to guide you to just be where you want to be. There is no spoon feeding when you're looking for an academic opportunity. So, I can help you draft a personal statement. The rest is up to you. I Can tell you which universities that I have applied to. You can also try to apply to those universities, but by the end of the day, it is a new effort.
0: I love that you really pointed that out that it is a new effort when it comes to looking for opportunities. Like, there's, there's, there's so much that someone can do, they can do everything, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with reaching out. It's very good to reach out because you succeed just from reaching out to different people and just letting people know that this is what you're looking for so that if they get anything related to what you're doing uh, they can always think about you but there's there's a place where people can get to when it comes to helping. I love that you mentioned that. Um, So I, I want you to tell us more about what you're currently doing so that maybe, I don't know May someone might be interested to know what you're actually working on right now? Um, if you can, uh, maybe a brief of what you're, you're working towards, and um, and you can finish off uh, by saying something that you really wanted to put out there for someone who might listen to this podcast. Yeah,
1: I think I have said so much, everything that I have shared is for people to know about not my journey but the journey that could possibly be yours Uh, now currently I'm working on uh, breast cancer on a particular small particle known as an exosome so exosomes are you know particles that uh, that um, participate so much in cell cell communication cell signaling and cell signaling transduction pathways and um, i'm trying to do a proteomic analysis of the exosomes so a proteomic analysis is to identify the protein biomarkers on the surface of the exosomes and inside the, exo- inside the exosomes that participate in sending signals and delivering of proteins and nucleic acids to other cells to enable metastatic uh, processes and angiogenesis of cancer. So currently, you know, I'm just a first year, first semester student. So I'm isolating the exosomes at the moment as we are talking. And what I want to do is, I want to bind um, nanoparticles, gold nanoparticles, and amino. You know magnetic beads on these exosomes to target specific proteins on the exosome. So once I target the specific proteins on the exosomes, I can do a comparative analysis of a normal exosome and a cancer a breast cancer exosome from specific cell lines and see what proteins are there. So sequentially I want to understand this proteomic, um, Uh, profile of exosomes contributing to uh, suppression of cell apoptosis, specifically the p53 uh, gene. So I'm still trying to maneuver on how I'm going to get there. So once I understand because proteins are so many, there are so many proteins found on the exosomes, I want to connect them to the P53 and how to contribute to the mutation of the P53 gene. After I understand that pathway, I anticipate to design what is called a microfluidic chip, which is a small chip that can be able to diagnose cancer using a very small blood sample so because what we have right now is the challenge of collecting so much blood from the cancer patients and which is not good for them so we're trying to see how i can be able to use a very small sample of blood so that i can be able to get the exosomes the cancer exosomes that can be able to that i can be able to use for diagnosis and you know Depending on how it goes, can I be able to use this microfluidic chip to screen for cancer drugs and see how susceptible they are, what stages of uh, cancer do we get drug resistance, you know, but there is so much, but basically I'm studying exosomes in a microfluidic chip. There is that is what I'm doing. So
0: you're trying to make a uh, diagnosis easier diagnosis cancer diagnosis yeah. yeah okay great uh, Faith, thanks for coming in at least you finally had this conversation and I think it's good that uh, it didn't work the first time when we recorded even the second time I think we did it
1: twice did you do it twice? no no this is the second time
0: yeah yeah okay yeah, I feel like <laughs> i did been trying so hard, so it feels like it feels like it's been a long time anyway. Um thanks for I think this it was a good thing that it didn't um, work okay. for the first time because now you're more settled. Like today's are <coughs> a bit relaxed day for you. You're not busy I you are usually very busy.
1: Oh, I'm, oh my god. PhD is busy. Just people should know. PhD is busy. Mm-hmm. Some
0: And you, you, I think, last thing you even mentioned how um, something to do with uh, learning
1: so and techniques. Things as well. mm. I things go. Yeah, the, the challenge I was having then, I was using what is called um, dynamic dynamic laser cutter DLS. So this is a, um, a kind of a spectrometer that is supposed to give you the size of the exosome, so the size of a nanoparticle and the concentration of the nanoparticle. So it was really hard to work with that machine because I I didn't know how to work with it and it was my first time. And somehow, like I said, there's so much expectation when you're doing a PhD, especially from your supervisor. So there's this assumption that, you know, once you do your first training, you ought to know. So I had done the training, but it was still hard the second time and the third time. So, But now I, I know how to use it. And just like I said, back home, we don't have enough equipment. I have never seen a transmission electron microscope. Here, they, they are so big. And preparing a sample for TM is something else. You know, you never get it right. So those are the challenges that you're going to face once you transition from an institution that doesn't have equipment to an institution that has all the equipment. So those are the challenges that somebody is going to face. Just learning to use the tools, it's its something else. Okay, um, Faith, thanks yeah. for coming in and <laughs> telling us this story. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. It's been so relieving, just like I told you. Family knows my story. Not so many people know my story. So today I have decided to be a vulnerable scientist to just share (laughs) and put everything out (laughs) there. I don't know how it's going to occur with my family and anybody who hears, but I Mm. hope it will be an inspiration to somebody.
0: I feel so good that you said that. Um, yeah. I usually ask uh, people how do they feel after talking about it because this case is um, about. It's yes, it's about also to tell people your story and for other people to be inspired and you know when maybe they the same spot that you are or they what had that experience and we feel like they. Um, we can relate to the story even if they're in a better place or yeah. people who are coming after you, but it's also a good space for people who are talking about it. Just to, I don't know, I don't know how you feel. Uh, maybe you tell me how do you f- really feel just
1: personally talking I, about it. Yeah. Personally, when I listened to the first podcast, I don't remember the name of the guy, but Collins, the first podcast that you had after me, mine failed. And I was like, you know, that was a guy who was lucky, you know, got in and he got the opportunity. And then I listened to Milka today, and I was like, she had her struggles by now she managed. And she, I love the way she's passionate about what she's doing, what she has been able to do. Then my experience is completely the opposite of the two because they've had the opportunities and they have had the the, the ability to pursue them over time and it is in those moments that i get to appreciate other people's stories because this journey it's like everybody has a personal story everybody has a journey to travel and i know there are people who have they they Finished their BSc and they got into it and they got the practical experiences, and there they were, they were research assistants and now they are managers in some research institutions, which is good. But I hope that the vulnerable scientists will be a platform that we scientists get to appreciate the journals that we all have. The good thing is, they're not the same. And I can assure you, if we all start talking about the research that we're doing, the way I love the way you talk about the research that you're doing and the way Milka has really expressed what she is doing, it is so beautiful because we get to learn that life is not just about the ups and downs that we face, but also in the research that we are doing, we we are passionate about making an impact in whatever we are doing. At the same time, that impact does not come easy you're going to have to struggle to get to where you you want but by the end of the day i am really looking forward to when you graduate when milka graduates and we will celebrate and thank god like wow despite those low moments i have made it you know so you get to you're appreciating the journey as you go looking forward to what you're going to attain so for me This is my first year. I am looking forward to five years from now because I know I would have made something impactful in the society. Yeah. So just to finish this podcast, I owe so much to a lot of people. But I want to start by thanking God because this journey he knew it. I'm just walking the footprints that he already put for me. And so I always told God because he knew my story and he knew I'd be here and I really owe everything, everything to him and I want to thank because he is my personal friend. He had my prayers and he answered them in his time. In his time, he made everything possible. So I really want to thank him. And I want to thank my parents who believed in me, who knew that despite of how hard it was to get a science research job in Kenya, they never discouraged me. They motivated me. Actually, my dad encouraged me to do my PhD, and I thank God because he put that in my head, I was able to pursue this dream, which is mine. Thank you, my dad, thank you, my mom, my mom for always encouraging me and telling me that God's timing is the best for giving me analogies to relate to in life have made them so real and relatable to how my life was my life is right now thank you mama for my siblings for being my greatest support system thank you so much for always being a phone call away for the people who always stand up when i needed somebody for the people provided fair when i needed to go to those interviews that i never got thank you so much My husband, my best friend, thank you for kneeling down with me each and every day. Thank you for being the one who sticks around with the kids so that I can go to those interviews. Thank you for making things possible for us, for listening to me, for not discouraging me. Thank you because you have believed in my dreams and thank you for continuing to believe in my dreams. And thank you for being in this journey with me. may God continue to bless you, permanently. Our children for giving me the morale to just push and push and never to give up because I work so hard. I never quit and I never thought to discourage myself otherwise because of them and because of them I have pressed on and I thank God because of the peaks that we have had but I thank God for the laws that we have had because you have been present for each and every moment and for that I am so grateful to you and mama will work so hard that you attain your dreams and you don't have to go through so much like I have and like so many people have thank you for my family Thank you for my friends. This journey has been so hard. I lost a lot of friends on the way. But I thank God for those who stuck around. My sister and friend, Anne, thank you so much for being one of the best friends I've ever had. My best friend, sweetie, for being my shoulder to lean on despite the distance. You are just always there. You are always there, and I really thank God for you, your sister and Tomini. And she always sent me opportunities. She made it look so possible. For the links that she sent, for helping me draft letters where I knew I wouldn't get the job, but she was always there supporting me. Thank you so much, Tosh. Thank you, Polycap. Thank you. Brooke, thank you, Godwin, and everybody who has been a part of my journey as a friend. I'm so grateful. Most importantly, I want to thank one woman who has made it so possible for me. Thank you, Professor Moege, for holding my hand, for taking time to look at my CV for taking time to edit my personal statement and told me these are the places we need to work on. Thank you so much because this has all been possible because God put you in my path. And thank you because you held my hand when I felt that everything was so lost and you encouraged me. And because your story is so relatable to mine, I thank God for you. I also want to thank my advisor, Dr. Sham, because he took a second look at my personal statement, my CV, and my GPA, and he knew I was the right student for him. Thank you so much, Dr. Sham, for giving me a platform to do my research, for enabling me to believe that in a laboratory setting, you don't need to have so much knowledge, but you just need to be motivated to be able to execute the projects that are meant for you to be doing the lab. Thank you so much, Dr. Sham. Dr. Dellinger, thank you for the Zoom meetings. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for being my go to person. Thank you for the trainings that you keep giving me. I am learning so much, so I'm so grateful. Dr. Reza, you're my professor, but you're also my friend. For believing in me, for seeing what the challenges I've had to go through, but still knowing that I can still shine despite everything. So many people I can thank in this journey. So many. I have a long list, but thank you, my students. Thank you, Dr. Masai for always writing those recommendations for me. Dr. Sandeep here, my professor from India, for writing the recommendations. Thank you so much. Most importantly, I want to finish by thanking my close friend, Dr. Sagar Ariel from Nepal. Thank you for trusting me, for being my friend, for giving me opportunities that are rare. Because you build for me an experience that I will never forget. And for that, may God continue to bless you. Thank you, Sarah, as I finish this, for being my friend, for encouraging me. You don't know what role you have played in my life, but you have showed me and many other people out there that it is so possible to just pursue the things that we see so impossible. It is very possible, and it is possible to just be passionate about science thank you so much God continue to bless you for the podcast and may people continue to learn about everything that you're offering otherwise I'm really grateful thank you my God thank you so much for this platform Sarah may God continue to open doors for you as you journey on otherwise happy new year to everybody who will be listening to this, this, this podcast and may God bless you all thank you so much and lastly I want to thank my friends from the Integrated Cancer Research Foundation of Kenya soon to be Dr. Hudson Malikonya, and David And Dr. Elliot Abbott. Thank you for looking at my CV and looking at my writing experience and be like, this is the person we need for our digital education program for ICRF. Thank you because of the good recommendations that you wrote for me. And I believe that we we will do something great with Integrity Cancer Foundation of Kenya. And Miriam Ravey, thank you for introducing me to these wonderful people at ICRF because with them I have come to believe that research is truly possible when people are given a chance. And may God continue to bless your journey as well as you pursue your PhD. And I look forward to great collaborations with ICRF, with Hudson and to do great things for ICRF. Otherwise, I'm a grateful soul for the opportunities that you have given me. And I'm looking forward to 2020 to where ICRF is going to be a growth platform for so many cancer research students in Kenya. Thank you.